1: to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So listen, how's your Christmas shopping going? You haven't started yet, have you? Well, fear not, the big interview is here to help solve all your problems. For the football fans in your life, here's three stocking fillers. Firstly, the documentary film of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World, is now available everywhere on DVD and digital download. Take the Ball, past the Ball is the definitive story we like to say of the greatest football team ever assembled and features exclusive interviews with Barca's stellar cast of current and ex-players including that geezer Lionel Messi, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Thierry Henry, Danny Alves, Gerard Piquet, Carlos Puyol and Sergio Busquets plus a rare exclusive contribution from Pep Guardiola himself. There, that's that one present sorted. Secondly, My old chum and fellow dandy Jonathan Northcroft has a new book out published by Backpage. These marvellous people that bring you the books, the podcasts. It's called Deadlines and Darts with Delhi, and it's Jonathan's World Cup diary from Russia last summer and it's essential reading for the football fan in your life. Finally, check out another Backpage book, Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall. Through extensive interviews with one player in every key position on and off the pitch, Grant breaks down the technical and tactical revolutions which have transformed football. So there you have it. Take the ball past the ball, deadlines and darts with Delhi Football 2.0. That's not only difficult to say, it's Christmas sorted. Courtesy of your friends at the big interview. You're ho 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 welcome. Hello there, Big Interview listeners. David Priest is a football analyst who forces you to think different thoughts about the game we all love. Through his journalism and broadcasting, he's carved out a really impressive niche as an expert and an articulate expert on the art of goalkeeping. The analysis of that position has tended to be a cliché minefield, scattered with lazy reflections on how goalkeepers are all mad and how they should never be beaten at the near post. David has taken the debate to a new level. Plus, he's a dandy and extremely funny. So we simply had to have him on the big interview. Enjoy David Priest in Talk Sports Studios. A very funny, very bright man who's going places. Probably his top corner for a fingertip save. For some time, Sky, and then um, I think BBC Radio 5, um, latterly, and there are things on on Talk sport too, but definitely BT Sport, people began to say to ex-professionals of, of all colours and stripes mm. and ages, uh, we need more from you than turning up and just saying what you see. Mm. Um, thought, planning, analysis, honesty, and so on and so forth. But there has been a, a desire for tactical analysis that I think began... With with Andy Gray, obviously there were people as good as him, but just maybe not doing it. Sky mm. pushed that. Now, I think you are in the vanguard of, of of a new sector because one thing, as we know, kind of escaped that era of analysis and explanation. Well, and therefore I go I go to this quote. It's a different profession on the pitch no one can judge a different profession how could i judge a nuclear engineer if i knew nothing about his specialty we don't feel protected we're vulnerable to those who don't understand what we do and influence public opinion nobody seems to understand for example that the most difficult things can be the things that others don't see speaking to a defender at the right time that can mean that you don't concede a goal i'll give you a clue in that um, he won the World Cup in 2006. He captained Juventus in Italy for a long time. He's at Paris Saint-Germain right now, and it's not Neymar. So when Gigi on talks about like that, do you recognise the
2: themes? Massively. And I think, oh, you mentioned like sort of the nuclear worker, but it's it's like um, he's just trying to make a point. And it's... I mean, I retweeted that, and I got a lot of stick over it, and a lot of people saying... Um, oh, he, he kicks a he kicks ball and catches it for a living. You know what I mean? And, and it's like it's, I can't believe people yeah. are still saying that now. Yeah. That really frightens me. And, uh, and, and I try to say that um, a manager can't coach different positions on the pitch, even though he's only played one position. It's not just saying that, but it's just saying that, Like, uh, and I've, I've said it for a long time now, the narrative about goalkeeping has been allowed to be led by outfield goalkeepers so that's why you you have the myths about you should be beating at the near post you know the punchings are negative Mm -hmm. um, that it should always catch Uh, it's frustrating and and we to blame for that goalkeepers ourselves to blame because it it say it's a union it's not really of course not a union but there is sort of like an unwillingness to to be critical Mm -hmm. Because we know how difficult the job is. It's a difficult job in relative terms, do you know what I mean? It's not being a nurse or a doctor or a fireman, do you know what I mean? No, But, but, but in, in our sport, then it, it it is difficult and so much more nuanced than anybody is, is given a credit for in the past. It's not to say that it hasn't been taken seriously in the past because there's, there's you know, if you look back at the history of goalkeeping, you look back into sort of like.
1: the the way that Russia and Germany and places like that, look at goalkeeping, the the goalkeepers are venerated. Set Meyer I grew up um, thinking was literally unbeatable. Mm. You know, the most iconic World Cup uh, when I was growing up was 70. uh, I I remember my dad's reaction to 66, but I don't remember particularly, but Banks' Mm. save is almost as iconic as Pelé's goals in that World Cup Mm. and around the world too. Yashin I was told was again I never saw him but people would tell me unbeatable so I agree with you that, that, I, I mean I, I wish I'd been able the same. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd I, I wish I'd been
2: able to see what he's, uh, what his training was like mm-hmm. because I mean it's with some people in, in different sports it, do, it kind of doesn't matter what era that was their time mm-hmm. it's almost transferable in any era greatness is transferable in any era but it, it's yeah, so like I said, for I mean, the big thing for me was like this thing about the top hand and how it's supposed to be flashing. It's 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 a huge thing for me. And now I now, didn't
1: understand it. You ticked me often on at once, or at least corrected me because I, I n- not because of any received wisdom. If sometimes when I see keeper going w- fully extended to his left or right, quite high, and so which hand do I mean? Yeah, I kind of think that the lower arm, whichever way you're going. You should be waiting until the ball is kind of coming to you. And it and f- feels like that the upper arm is shorter. I'm showing but, you as we speak, yeah, and the, I know I'm wrong.
2: No, but there's, there's sort of an, there's a, there's an arc there. But well, it's not just about sort of like higher reach. That's, that's the minimum that you're getting from that. But also, because you're going across that side, this arm coming across creates a lot more momentum
1: to, to push off. You. Brilliant, yeah. I looked I'm going to cheat now because I've got an order of questions, but show me your hands. Not particularly big, But also, I mean, it's a, it's a symbol of the times. One of the most impactful things... I met a Stepney um, oh, yeah. just after the the Zidane uh, European Cup final at Hampden in I think 2002, it maybe was. It was socially in the area afterwards, his hands. Like mm. two big cauliflowers because the ball was wet and hard. And, yeah. and I mean, they were deformed and cut and bruised and knobbly and... You don't particularly look... There's a few... I, what, apart? apart from this... Oh, I mean,
2: I've broke every single one of them multiple times, especially my thumbs. And my, obviously, my, I've got a plate in my wrist here. Oh, I mean, I've, injuries were a curse. You mean what you said, you've broken every finger? Oh, every, everything. I mean, I mean, this here, there's nothing... There's no That's sort of... That's right co- hand it, middle finger. Do you know why I did that? God, uh, I've got, a have man. I've got, well, I've got no a cottage in the middle there, but Oof. I did that at half-time at uh, East End Park, that's done for me, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, done for um yeah. And then um, and it, was, it was knackered. It was just sort of like it was really badly sort of out of shape. And then uh, Peter Kerr decided to come off about 15 minutes <laughs> before the end of the game. Now to go on. We drew nil-nil, but um, yeah. He, he got injured in the first five minutes, decided to play on and then came off in the last 15 minutes. Thanks, Pete.
1: Yeah. At half-time at East End Park, you, were the, you were the reserve. Just warm up. Bench just warm up. Was, you see, I'm sneaky like this. Were you raking your boots over the opposition penalty area? <laughs> yeah,
2: I used to do that quite a lot, guy. Well, yeah, but yeah. So if it, it's like said, it's probably. Like I say, it's probably uh, Have you got Italian blood? Because I love me. This is very. This is
1: very <laughs> sustainable. <is> sus- <laughs> uh,
2: it was. Yeah, it was just that every time I was, um, I was on the bench if I was warming up at half time, and then if we were warming up in the half that the opposition were going to be playing in second half yeah where the, the, the goalkeeper the goalkeeper's going to be yeah i just go across the like six yard box and dig my heel into the uh, so it, it, it might take and I don't know whether it ever worked whether it's looking for a nice accepted. little evil bounce yeah exactly yeah I know it's it, it
1: definitely, definitely isn't a keeper's union <laughs> in <the United> <laughs> you've just proven your point yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, I don't know, it was just... Competitive spirit is all that. Yeah, is. exactly, yeah. I, I'm all for it, man, I love it. But why have you picked on um, Germany and Russia and seen that they, they venerate their keepers differently? How have you learned that? Oh, just, I was mean, just, just reading up on them. I didn't see it studying goalkeepers, but I was
2: just sort of really wanting to... Every, everything that I'd get my hands on when I was younger, about... Yeah. My two favourite goalkeepers when I was younger was Bruce Gobelar and Neville Southall. Uh, it's it, it, quite different. Yeah, very different. Stylistically. Very different, but I think um, I love the way that obviously the the, the, the way that's, that the Bruce played the game, and okay. it was totally different from anything else at the time. And uh, but with, with Neville Southall, I just loved his sort of his work ethic. Uh, I remember I, I was a kid. I went to... went to, uh, evidence training ground. Belfield. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Belfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, just watching him train, it, it, it just like every th- Every training session I watched him. I went down there a few times. It just he never left anything.
1: Mm.
2: Every every bit of ounce of energy he had was, was used in training, mm-hmm. and um, and he was somebody who, um, I, every, if I could read anything about him, I would always try and look, look it up. And I would just wish there was the internet back then, sort Yeah, there. but it was um, it was about work ethic and about. His, his warm ups. Remember reading about his warm ups. How sometimes he would uh, he would just have a bath for a warm up. other days he would go out at, at one thirty before a game, and it always changed throughout his career. And and it was that sort of it was his work ethic. And Martin Hodge at Sheffield Wednesday, mm-hmm. not a keeper that I particularly sort of admired or had, had watched a great deal, but I read quite a bit about him. Just a few articles that I picked up, and uh, and it was. People talking about him, how he's the most hardest working goalkeeper, working his game every day, and that's what I took into in, into my game. Whether I wasn't uh, talent enough, or whether I was, you know, whether I was going to be lucky or not, I was going to work hard. That's what I decided, and I think that's what that was my biggest asset more than anything.
1: And when you match that with what you already said was quite a, you know, an attitude for deconstructing things, analyzing things, that's maybe been the combination that leaves you now, having had a good career able to um, transmit things or analytically do you consider yourself somebody who could go in and make goalkeepers at any level potentially make them better? Yeah, any level. I I really do believe that, I
2: mean that's nothing it's no arrogance or anything like that but I I just think I've got a a great
1: eye for picking up things that I think what's wrong uh, make little improvements. It's time for a sponsor question from Bet365 who support us and are behind us I've got three I can choose. do you want a b or c or oh, a yeah. good very good choice. What are the best and worst things about being a goalkeeper um, oof. Do you know what the be
2: the best thing about being a goalkeeper is being different <laughs> that's one that's one of the reasons why I f- it felt right to be a goalkeeper dress differently wear the gloves <laughs> uh the the worst is probably um Yeah, that that moment when the ball goes past you. Yeah. And there's... You know, you could describe it as the net rustling or it's a combination of things. There's definitely... It's a unique noise when the ball hits the back of the net or it hits the post. Perhaps that's the worst moment, when you hear the ball hit the post and you turn around in hope and And it's it's still in the back of the net rather than bouncing straight out again. But definitely... It's funny, you know. Sometimes when you, when you get older, you get e- it's easier to deal with with uh, either disappointments or or things that do affect you when you're younger. But that that's one thing that got worse as I got older, and sort of it, it created a, a greater emotional response from us because pit, pit, pit to the stomach. Oh, horrible! Or... Horrible! Yeah, horrible. I think I had, a, I had a couple of seasons where I worked with a, a sports psychologist. I mean, I worked with a sports psychologist all over my career, but there was a, there was a 2 years, three-year span, maybe. In my last three years it's, uh, at Aberdeen, where I, I tried to take emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. And even though I probably played my best football then, I didn't enjoy it. Hmm. And it's almost be, that's sort of the, the pain. The pain and the, and the pleasure, you have to have it. Yeah. And that's what you miss. I don't, people mm-hmm. say you, you miss camaraderie the mm-hmm. dressing room that, and the, and the banter. For that, you just miss being around people. That's what it is. It, it's not it, One Saturday morning mm-hmm. it might be butterflies. The, the next Saturday morning it might be sort of like nauseous. Yeah. So,
1: but it, we that's have what you have to miss. have fear and risk to live. Mm-hmm. Living isn't about getting by. You have to risk things. Mm-hmm. You have to be in the game and whatever that brings with it. And, and even coaching, even going out on the pitch and then... I still felt a,
2: I felt a connection between the goalkeeper who was coaching, but the, there was still a detachment there. I didn't feel the same. Whereas yeah. working in here or working at a live game and doing sort of like live core comms or doing live radio, that's the first time I've really felt anything like that, mm-hmm. where it's sort of, people might call it a buzz like you know, but it's mm. it's the first time that I've felt anywhere near that.
1: So really good answers um, to those questions because there's no prep thrown at you. I enjoyed it. I remember uh, once we we had a little um, Twitter direct message conversation about Claudio Bravo, and and it was really evident that you were soaking up everything you could learn about him in order to be able to talk about him properly in that mode that Mm. I love about you and other ex-pros, managers or footballers, where I respect that they do their work as well as just saying what they see. You studied him and you watched him and you looked at... I think you were expecting Pep Guardiola in that instance to have signed a, a, a goalkeeper who had very good footballing skills when under pressure the ball at his feet not just people even now that we're talking about that for my taste at least people talk about that like, can he control it and kick it mm. whereas what we're actually asking is is the control quite natural? Is he a footballer? Is he an outfield footballer? Mm. It's 11 footballers. And is his brain good about, if they're not moving for me and showing their right position, I'll make sure that they do, and I'll, I'll get them to spread, and I'll make sure they take responsibility. Does he make the right choices with the ball? Because effectively, when he's a, go- a goalkeeper's pressed, he's like a pivoting midfielder, just yeah. not in the middle of the park. It's the same decision-making process about, when's the press coming? What time do I have? Is the ball under control? Who do I pick? What is the strategy about why I pick? All that kind of stuff. Steph, we're on that basis. Where do you stand on the way in which two clubs play a different brand of football from one another have invested in Brazilian keepers? Um, have you been looking at Ederson, yep. Alisson, and what's your thoughts, your summation on well, them? Well, I've, I've changed... I mean, of course, football changes,
2: so you've got to change with it. But I've totally changed my perspective on goalkeepers dealing with back passes because I do, I, it probably comes from... It, The uh, actually it does come from what we talked about about um, my childhood when you talk about that fear Mm -hmm. and having sort of like that fear inducing anxiety that that kind of sort of never left me so like I was always I was thought or convinced myself that everything should be safety first it was ultra safe Mm -hmm. so back when I was a uh, Darlington I took Monty with me manager David Hodgson asked me if I, if I wanted as a goalkeeping coach and I said Monty and, and took Monty with us and um, even back then we used to talk about uh, doing uh, playing triangles in around around uh, outside the box uh, and so that eventually in three passes you would be beyond the, uh, the defenders and the striker and, and literally joining in I've, I've not really seen many other. I've seen people come out of the box, Neuer and, and Tostegan and the two Brazilian lads. Yeah, do, no problem, they'll, they'll join outside the box, but do you don't have an overlapping goalkeeper. <laughs> and that's what Monty was talking about. And he was talking about, uh, he wish we could play We're 4 3 3. talking in the region
1: 94, 95, 96 ish? 97, it'd be 97, okay. 98.
2: Okay. And, and we talked about it, and there was two, two drawbacks that uh, Fetham's was, was only good for planting potatoes on. Uh, Darlington's football uh, football ground, okay. the old football ground, and we had a real problem with the the surface. Where we, we tried everything, they, they brought worms from Old Trafford to aerate the the pitch, and we ended up having playing FA, FA Cup games it's, uh, at the Riverside, yeah, in Middlesbrough as well. Yeah, anyway, so that was a problem. Hey, for hey, B-
1: listen, you, you you're talking to a complainer. Patodi
2: was never that great. Neither. No, it, it wasn't. To be honest with no. you. No that was so The problem, problem with freedoms is that
1: yeah. you, you can never... The bubble 's crazy, right? The, yeah. you, you, it's not made for technique and, and calm when you receive a ball in a triangle.
2: Yeah, exactly. You're always having to take a touch to get the ball under control first. But also, at that time, you're five years into the back pass rule and defenders weren't, didn't want to know. Get out of the way. When, yeah, when the ball...
1: When the ball came back to you and normally it would come back to your pay, they weren't bothered how it came back to you. When you said that there it came back to you one you've got a particular player in mind who always used to give you you you've kinda of done like bodyline bowling. You you said the ball's coming up to you. He's he's, he's gone for his Adam's apple there, so if the ball's been put to you up by your neck... The, the defenders didn't, weren't bothered about, sort of, uh, care about... how They to handed play you back. their problem. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then I'll bet you they turned their back and all. All you saw was four arses. <laughs> away from
2: so so you, you couldn't... Your problem now! <laughs> yeah, and so you just had to hit it first time. And people were sort of cr- uh, rushing at you so, uh, to, to try and hurry you. So the, the, it wasn't really the right environment to try and play football. It wasn't until really I went to Denmark that we did our goalkeeping separately um, and but not just 40 minutes before training then joining with everyone else we did it there separately in the morning and afternoon and we just trained as normal so we do the passing drills do the position drills and, yeah
1: um, which is re- that's obviously really how beneficial yeah so really beneficial. obviously how be. you know we don't one of the reasons i moved to spain was um i was obsessed by seeing more training where in britain it's like no mm-hmm. you can't see training yeah if you want proper journalism and analysis mm-hmm. let us learn yeah and then gradually the gates have been closed in Spain, not all of them, but they've been closed too much. So when you go to a tournament with Spain, um, particularly if you're TV producing, you see a lot, and you watch both Pippi Reina, not not he's different. You see, watch Pippi Reina and they playing in the drills, and they they could play outfield. Uh, they could both play outfield.
2: Barca used to come to Denmark, every. I don't think they still do it, but used to, when I was there, they came to Denmark every summer to play friendly, so they'd have like two days training or so. You, most of the time they played in Aarhus, so mm-hmm. they train on the pitch for two days and then they play against Aarhus on the, the next day. Then, so it was free to go and watch, it was sitting in the stand watching train, and it was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I always did it I, when I went away with uh, with teams, particularly with Aberdeen, we go to Holland, Germany, uh, wherever. And when I was in Denmark, you go away to training camps, so I'd go to the local clubs wherever mm-hmm. it was 20 or you know uh, you trips, yeah. yeah exactly yeah and um go watch them train I try try to pick up something and was, I was always looking for like the magic pill that would make me the greatest goalkeeper <laughs> that ever lived and you know whatever drill it was whatever technique they were mm-hmm. using and, and you know what most of the time you, you go to these places and you're not seeing anything they're not doing anything different mm-hmm. from what we're doing mm-hmm. so I'd go and see uh, I think Victor might have just come into the team at that. Uh, if you're talking, I suppose
1: when you went to Denmark, I suppose we're talking about mid 2000s or it was if, 2005 to nine. Yeah, so Victor was certainly he was the first choice keeper in 2005 six. Mm. Pep Lina had gone to Villarreal so yeah, it, would it, was, have been, it wasn't Pep. wasn't
2: there. It would anyway. have been Victor, yeah. Yeah, so like, remember uh, him train And it was basic, really basic stuff. But I yep. mean, they just come from a tour somewhere, and then they were just doing a few yeah. sort of live sessions. I think who's the other one who was a the goalkeeper there? I can't remember what the goalkeeper was, but they would go up on the side of the pitch and they, they would use them as sort of like, you know, possession. And those two players and Samuel Eto'o were the, th- oh were the three best players yeah. I- in those sessions. And I mean, especially, I mean, I was blown away by Samuel we, Eto'. We
1: could we could spend the rest of the day about Eto'. He's hugely underrated mm. because he was such a ferocious, pugnacious, mad as a, f- mad. As a f- Well, I interviewed him once, and like just to just. This is what people had to put up. He was a Barcelona player. He was doing this interview for UEFA's Champions League magazine, and just like we sent the the bet three six five questions, people had sent in questions. So, what could you list your five proudest achievements? And actually, he was a current Barca player. He'd already won the two thousand six Champions League and scored in the final, changed it largely because of his goal and his participation in the in the in the second goal. And he listed. Um, and being born in Cameroon uh, Moving to Spain Winning the Champions League with Real Madrid Which he didn't He was on the books mm. Didn't play a single game Didn't list anything about Barcelona Didn't list the 2006 Champions League final In which he he had to pin Barcelona that day So he listed winning the Champions League with Real Madrid And you know He drove Pep mad Because he would lose his temper And he, he would wave his arms around and shout and I, But as a footballer I mean I've never seen the likes of it Made every defender's life utter misery. His movement, his athleticism, his ability to score every kind of goal imaginable. Mm. He, albeit that he's just, by no means he's a big man or a tall man, but he had literally everything. But we, whenever we meet people like you, all of you, it's that innate will to win, competitiveness, edge. And, and you, you read it and you hear it, and they are go, like, I can't bear to lose it this year. Can't. And then you meet them and you listen to them, and they can't. Mm. Or if you ever happen to be present, they can 't but he was like times a thousand
2: i, I don 't know whether it was the case of, uh, whether it's just to keep him happy because every time uh, I mean it was probably about a dozen times I watched over the over the years I watched them watched them train he, he was always the joker you know playing for both sides and only had two touches right God always made him the you
1: know, it, he's really i like you call it the joker so it's so the guy who can maybe like you wear this odd colored he was um, in possession, you're the comedy and you them. play yeah, for exactly. both yeah so that's a common exercise that you knew and
2: saw in your yeah, but but most of the time that was just used for odd numbers. But you can see with um, ah yeah no
1: it's yeah. W- w- with him there was a purpose to it. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. They're, they're, it's a quite a common thing in Spanish training, and I, I suppose the idea is, you, it, one, it keeps everybody around you mentally sharp because you've got the ball and you're passing them, mm-hmm. and the instant that you haven't got the ball, he's on the other side, yeah, instantly, and in tight spaces, so your alertness um, has to change, and so does the the player himself. Mm. I, I I've always thought it's about you, you, your mind there. Mm-hmm. I. I I guess, looking at. But, but it. most of the
2: time, it, it it doesn't matter who it is, whichever team you're watching or who's training. Most of the time, that's that player can be quite passive. So, like, they just used, if they needed, where he, everything just came through him mm. and he was, you know, changing his position all the time and wanting the ball. And
1: yeah, it, it just, I didn't appreciate him until then. I think only one, I don't think. Uh, I mean, he's played for every Champions League winner bar Bayern Munich since. 2009 Mm. every Champions League winner he's played for played competitively for Real Madrid and and, and, you know often enough and Chelsea and Barcelona he's the only footballer who's won two trebles with two different clubs it's extraordinary I told you we could use that. but um, so you're in um, hold on where where are we we're in Aarhus um, in the middle of the street and you're watching Victor Valdez and you went to, to study that because we were talking then about you know the way in which you were linking what you saw there to what you see now with Alison and Edison you said that when I offered you a chance to talk about like what you see in the two of them to to your satisfaction as an analyst you immediately went well I've changed my idea about pressing and passing and the six yard box and, and what keepers want to be doing there because it's utterly distinct from what you had in your it, playing life it, it is
2: and it's we have to look at a different perspective now. That The people that I speak to about it, a, and I really, really love him because he's got great ideas. A guy called Tim Dittman who's at the FA now. He's head of goalkeeping development. I've, I love talking to him. Don't talk to him enough.
1: Let's, let's give him praise again. Tim?
2: Tim Dittmer Tim Dipmer, okay. That's big praise. Yeah, yeah and, and you're know, you, you looking for somebody who's an innovator, who's mm-hmm. doing something a little different and thinking a little bit differently, and that's what I was always looking for. So it's about taking the fear out of... Goalkeeping and especially with the ball at your feet. Now, I spoke about you know overlapping goalkeepers and that, and it was a bit tongue in cheek. But if we could do that, that would be sort of utopia hmm. because then you really have the not sweeper keeper 11 so. footballers, yeah, it exactly, 11 11 footballers. Footballers. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and not 10 plus one. So, to do that, you take the goal out of it. So yeah. if you take the goal out of it, you take the fear out of it, and the, and the risk, so then players would react and position themselves and move the way they would in midfield mm-hmm. or up front, mm-hmm. and that's and, and ideally, you'd want the ball in the corner, so you get everything tracked over that way, and then come out
1: the other side. So everyone's tracked down there. You go to hit them down the weak side, and overloading like that's a pep te- technique to overload. brain, come on into my parlour, so yeah, excited to the fly bosh, change of direction. And, and the the problem with the way we've had it so
2: far, especially this season when so many teams are doing it, is that the problems uh, Petacek had at Arsenal weren't there weren't Petacek's problems. There were Arsenal's problems in as a whole because one they weren't moving properly for him. So Kratis didn't really, he was uncomfortable with the ball. Uh, Granite Xhaka offered himself but in a kind of, yeah, I'll I'll have it. I don't really want it, but I'll have it, I'll show. And there's no purpose towards it. Yeah. So it was just, it was literally, Tottenham against Barca, mm-hmm. last goal. Mm-hmm. Lloris. Trippy gave the ball away, but that's Lloris' fault. Because he'd give the ball to Trippier, but trippier has got no real obvious out-ball apart from just hitting that line. He doesn't want to do that. So, Lloris has got a little bit more time the ball that's, than trippier has got, so he should play the ball uh, sooner because he's got more composure, he's got more time to look up, he's not under that much pressure. So it has to be a pass that's... When Luis is passing the ball, he needs to pass him there with the thought of, well, if I pass it to you, then it's going to go to him
1: or it's going to go to him. There's got to be a pattern there. But everything you've said there, because whether Doris is the best keeper in the world or not, whether he's the best at this specific art that we're talking about now, playing like a central midfielder but in a six-yard box, every, every footballer, just as you've detailed, needs to have that. You know, 16 decisions every two seconds in his Mm. head at a time when you're alert, when you're confident, when you're either in form or sharp, um, where it's automatic, where you talked about, like, you don't think. I think you were probably talking about movement and one-on-ones, but it's, uh, to me, you know, he made bad decisions, he did the wrong thing, because he's come back after a spell where he's had a little bit difficult time personally, Mm. he's patently not in form his sliding mad challenge out to try and meet Jordi Alba, I think for the first goal, showed it's a completely different yeah. error. What showed the guy where there's still some cotton wool in the head, and, and exactly maybe that it, affected. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. The Trippier, de- the decision to when and how to give the ball to Trippier.
2: So like yeah, so like and, and like I said, go back to Petr Cech. It's about sort of it's got to be a purpose. You can't just give it to him because he's free. Yeah, because you've got to think, well, what, what's he going to do with it? Like next? And most of the time, when you do that, it just comes back to you and you've got to hit it long anyway. Mm.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off. Bluenile.com code LISTEN.
1: A lot of big names in goalkeeping at the moment. Rather than going through them all in terms of like um, what they're good at and not good at, who, um, if we go through, you know, Edison and De Gea and Allison and, and Kepa and. Young Schmeichel, subasic mm. pick for the right across the mall, all black who who in your you know top 5 top 6 um who would be your top two just out of personal preference and in that group of keepers at the moment who do you think is underrated misunderstood <sighs> underrated given enough credit
2: i'll, I'll have a little bit think about that but i'll always go back to uh, to buffon he he's the keeper that's I know that I say that you know but like so grubby and uh, people like that who like maybe a bit more extravagant you know for sure wow. yeah but I just like I love everything about uh, Buffon I just love that him as a as a man we can we can talk about things that he's said and done in the past We uh, we can we can talk about he's that He's really but that much of an inspirational figure massively, for you? massively massively I didn't know that but he's um, the, the biggest thing for me that I, that I took from him and that I admire about him up until recently, you, you didn't really see him make any bad decisions. You, you know, um, and I know that comes with playing with consistently with some of the best defenders European football or world football scene, and the relationship that you build with them, knowing what each other's going to do. But up until the last couple of seasons, you didn't see him come, you know, come running outside his box or, or coming for a, a ball that he was never going to get or panicked in. He was always cool. Uh, And when you've got a cool head, you make
1: clear decisions. Helps with leadership. We're winding towards an end, but I know what I want to ask you about to to finish this up. Bet three six five has said for you the greatest Premier League goalkeeper of all time. Premier League again, personal choice. Yeah, it's just a tough one.
2: I know many people will will definitely say Peter Schmeichel, and that might be true, but he was so unique that most of the things that he did and the way that he was aggressive and assertive hmm. uh, and proactive was because it worked for him. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember he did, a, he did a masterclass, I think it was last season or the season before, on Sky, on Monday Night Football. And he was writing everything that he said and there was lots of examples of, of him sort of being dominant and authoritative. And, but it, everything that he did worked for him. And I think for, for a lot of goalkeepers, it wouldn't it wouldn't, necessarily- it wouldn't necessarily work. And he was very unique that way. Uh so you're saying not him? There's one. Uh, it's another Man United goalkeeper, uh, Edwin van der Sar. That I've I've always, I've always had a s- sort of a soft spot for him because one of the first goalkeeping coaching uh, videos I ever watched was uh, it was him and
1: Stanley Menzo and Franz Hook. Gosh Almighty, Stanley yeah. Menzo! I've not heard his name mentioned for uh, a long time. Ajax. So this was the Ajax when France was there, still under Van Hal yeah. as coach, and France would have been the goalkeeping coach. Not a very popular man at Old Trafford, France. It no. Out. Not no. Um, liked at all by David Ayer. Not selling secrets out of school, no. it's the truth. Yeah. But um, somebody who succeeded a, a great deal and was a tutor for Van der Sar. Yeah. So you saw what then? That's where the affection comes from. It
2: was it, a little bit of the uh, sort of the technique stuff that they worked on, that it was. Uh, I mean, obviously, I couldn't understand what they were saying, but it was. Um, you could see what they were they were working yeah. on, and a lot of it was simple stuff. But the biggest thing was the, the distribution mm-hmm. and how unnervingly uh, accurate he was for somebody who's like what was he six foot five or something like that? He's, he, he's bean pole doesn't particularly look like a silky footballer, but his technique was brilliant. His range of passing was brilliant, and it wasn't just that about him. It was just the way that we've been led into this um, sort of. Cliché of a goalkeeper Being sort of mad Shouting Screaming Ranting Raving Like Schmeichel Like I said But that worked for him For most goalkeepers That wouldn't work Simply because You get yourself that irate For the next five minutes You're You know You're not good to anybody Where He used it uh, And was able to keep a calm head Where with Van der Sar He wasn't that goalkeeper He was cool He was calm But he was still authoritative That's what I love up.
1: This doesn't do you much good in your career. If we'd met earlier, like I could shared this you, and you could have used it for your own, some of your own gut knowing anxiety. But on the night of Wednesday, 18th March 1987, um, Peter Schmeichel was on a team bus for Bronbu against Porto in what was actually the Champions League quarter final. And he told me that he was so scared about playing in the Champions League at this stage. I don't know who dropped out, I don't know why he was getting his chance. And he told me that he was so scared that he wished the bus would break down and that he couldn't arrive at the ground and it would never happen. Then he went out and he played like that. They drew 1-1 and went out, I think, 2-1 aggregate. And he told me that it's a remarkable thing, but I believed him because it was his anecdote, that he talked to himself after that game, that he gave himself a row and he went, this isn't any good, you made an idiot of yourself, you can't live like this. And, and he was unembarrassed to admit his complete and utter funk about the whole what was coming up and, and he knew that he was telling somebody who couldn't recognise that in The Keeper that I mm. watched Denmark and in, Manchester in Manchester City and he talked himself out of it in that one night by giving himself such a row. <laughs> yeah. he said I never felt like that again ever and I found that a remarkable story about human psychology mm. how do you rid yourself of that like that I, I, I thought that was weird I really did and until you spoke about manchester I'd have probably given Schmeichel my my vote, mm. but I loved what you said there. So I wanna talk about like um penalties the penalty spot. Is it Achterberg who's the keeper coach at Liverpool? Yeah, I got that John name. Right? Do we do did we see him when Riad Mares is about to take a penalty? He comes out on the touch, doesn't he? And kinda like with his back to the keeper does his mm. hand up like that to say it's going top right. And I, I was lucky I was a witness to um in, in the World Cup that Spain won in twenty ten, they they Paraguay Pepe Reina's on the bench. Pepe, like you, it felt it was a 12-man team. If you're on the bench, mm. it doesn't mean you're not playing. You're in there, you're competing. And you, and he yells because he's, he's seen the Paraguay striker. Um, playing for Liverpool, he's played against him, he's seen a penalty. He's studied penalties so much, he tells Iker which way it's going to go. Iker hates advice, listens because it's Pepe, takes it and saves it, and they go through 1-0. That whole idea about penalties... Concentration, the one-v-one one thing, studying penalty takers, which was harder to do with the internet and, and I guess much harder in your day to study penalty Oh, yeah, take. I mean... It maybe was impossible? Almost impossible, Word yeah. of mouth maybe might have been... But, like, where do you stand on all of that and the psychology of it and also somebody on the touchline giving you advice, even if it's well-meaning, good, bad, up for it, not?
2: No, it's good, that... I mean, the, the fact that it, it looked different because he was facing away, but it, it just stops confusion. So if you think, uh, you know... If, he doesn't do shout just well, show exactly yeah if you, well, so not just that because if you're facing him and you're saying that and you go right hand, saying oh well is it your right or my right at least if he turns away he knows exactly where it is but it's um, it is fascinating just because there's so many layers you can put on top of the, the research that you do so you know go down to what time of the game is it uh, are you winning and losing what's the score are you home or away uh, if you're at home which end of the uh, the pitch it is is' it in a shootout is it in the game yeah you know, it's just there's so many layers you can put on top of it to try and and, and as a coach that's what you you know if you 've got a penalty ticket you's got a long history of penalties then you obviously you can do that so you can try and narrow it down a little bit more so like some i don't know I think it was like Harry kane who in press, real pressure high pressure situations in big matches against top six sides, he went down the middle a couple of times and that's when carries saved last uh, last season he just sort of stood, stood a little bit kind intuitive yeah. it? habit will lead to him making this decision again right exactly yeah it's just fascinating just going into that and just it's almost like a challenge you know what I mean it's, it's almost like a, it, it is like a, a problem
1: a to problem me I love solving. it it still comes down to the casino how much work you do but are, are you gambling on black or or red? You, you,
2: who's who's the famous penalty saver in um, in Spain? Was it Diego, was it Diego Oliver?
1: Oh yeah, yeah Diego Oliver's oh, the Brazilian at Valencia. Yeah, exactly, yeah, extraordinary. I mean, averaging up maybe over fifty five percent. Well, I think in the end, is he, is he back in Brazil now? Yes, I think yeah. he is. I think he was at forty seven
2: percent. When you think the the average is twenty twenty two percent, one in four penalties getting. Around one in one in five, one in four penalties get saved. And his was up to like 47%. And um, I can't remember somebody who's a writer for the uh, New York Times. But he did an interview with uh, him and, a few, and his goalkeeping coach at the time. He was a goalkeeping coach at Valencia. Um... Yeah, Ocho yeah, Torreño exactly, always yeah. the Spain coach yeah. as well. And they didn't really give away too many secrets. <laughs> but it, it was kind of like... Um, he, he, he played the penalty through in his head, so if he thought this is where he 's going to go, then he sort of played through his mind over and over and over again, so that just as he's about to take it, he felt he or he almost knew he was going to take it now, obviously fifty percent time 53 percent time he didn 't but it pushed his average up and it, it is a sort of is a mental thing, but he was only, he was the one who mess. Doesn't he, he, he save a couple of two or three of uh, Messi's penalties? I don't know he's not the
1: greatest penalty taker in the world. Well, Maybe right. the greatest player in the well, world. Well, I, there's a little anecdote here because I've interviewed Messi a lot, and often it's post-match, and sometimes you just get niceties and sometimes you mm. can't be arsed, and sometimes you ask a straight ordinary question, really stupid. What were you thinking just before the penalty was taken? And he and he stopped. He went. I was looking at Abbiati and how big he is. And I would thrown himself around the goal all game. And Messi said to me, he thought, how am I going to score here? And in that instance, he did. Because whatever I think his technique was sufficient with his body to show as if it was going one side. And he does a really nice one on the other side. So it isn't just a technique. I mean, yeah, it goes the wrong way. But he admitted, the world's greatest player. The greatest player ever, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Admitted fear, confusion. He also said it out loud. Yeah. I was like, oh, don't. Okay, well, I want this. <laughs> but I don't. don't. ruin it yeah. So everybody, you know, no matter how great your technique is, or um, a little pressure you feel, because if you miss a penalty, and you're messy. Mm-hmm. You brought. Well, oh, another three and ten minutes. Don't I think Alves,
2: anyway. Alves thought that a couple of times. he said the penalties. He he, he'd say, he didn't say what he said to him, but he, he just sort of pushed him. As he's
1: spotting the ball mate, and he feels me it. again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it. yeah
2: exactly. <laughs> I think that's what he said the second time. Actually, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Then um, Bet365 want to know something that you're probably going to find the most difficult um, and emotional one yet. Do you think Sunderland will achieve automatic promotion this season? Ooh. Yes. And that's not emotion or it is
2: emotion? No it's not emotion. I mean obviously Peterborough they set off on fire but they've got to be 4-0 at home and I, and I don't think a team who gets beat 4-0 at home. Is going to show the same consistency. The thing is with Sunderland and Jack Ross, there's a team that's sort of the young side, young manager, they're sort of learning, and grown together.
1: It's and, a nice feeling, that yeah. It's something that it's, it's been it's been all in together, yeah, exactly, kind of band yeah. of brothers. We're all thing. learning together, yeah. You need the talent, obviously. I know you're not, you know, washing over what you need. To you have to have the right players mm. there, but that feeling of like we're in this together.
2: Yeah. The one good thing about being sort of relegated into into League One mm. is that the the gap between sort of uh, academy under 23s and the first team it's it's shortened now so those players like the Denver Hume, uh, are getting a chance uh, to play where they, ordinarily they wouldn't they wouldn't be anywhere near the first team and there's a lot of the youth products are coming through now and because they've played together then you get you, you know you get that sort of uh, gelling and that's uh,
1: did, did I quite like the, the look of it? Is it Whatmore? Yeah, I don't I know. he got injured. I, I, it, did, my eye said to me, I quite like how he plays and how he works. Yeah, because, because
2: he's got something about him that's old-fashioned and direct that has been lost in the game because of the way we play now. Whereas maybe 20 years ago, there'll be a lot of players like him and maybe he's a little bit easy de- to defend defenders aren't
1: used to coming up against people people who just raw raw pace who will just go at you and go at you and go he at you he also seemed to have a verve to me he liked, he liked taking people on rather than simply running past them there seemed to be a like yeah that's a bit of fun here he, he's, he's different he's, he, is, he is a thinker he's done really first class degree didn't yeah he, 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 is, is, a, he is a thinker but he's a, he's a lovely guy thank you for joining us for season 2018-19 We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a socio, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football... I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you.